You are now listening to Portionality Podcast. I am your host, Portia D. Hey, Saints. Welcome back to the Portionality Podcast. I am joined today by the fourth and final member in this era of the comedy-ish group productions that you have heard me talk about um, over the last several weeks. So I'm joined today by Juan Carlos. Hey, Saints. How are you doing? Yes. (laughs) Welcome, Juan Carlos. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. And so for those of you who do not know Juan Carlos, Juan Carlos is actually the co-founder and member of Comedy-ish Productions. He is a native New Yorker of Dominican descent. Yes, come on. He just debuted at the pro lineup at the Broadway Comedy Club. Yes. Yep. He is also featured at the Shrine in Harlem for the the Brown Sugar Comedy Brunch. You know, check that out, (laughs) y'all. Every Sunday, 3 p.m., go, go, go. And also, um, every second Thursday of the month, he features at the Yonkers Comedy Club. That's right. And you can also catch him, you know, at the Greenwich Village Comedy Club as well. And so I am so excited and elated to welcome (laughs) to this show for never the last time, because, you know, I don't say ever the last time, (laughs) but for the first First time, welcome Juan Carlos. Yeah, woo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> welcome Juan Carlos. Oh, thank I'm you. I'm so excited that you're here. And so, um, you know, everybody, I have featured Drex Clemens. I have featured Ishmael Gaynor. We had Jamal Richardson. And now we have Juan Carlos. And so this is a super lit experience. I'm so glad that I have met you all. Juan Carlos is actually the only one who I didn't meet on the street. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, actually. Yeah, we actually met in the club. Um, and I met him on stage because, well, you know, he was doing his set and then he actually sat down at the same table that I was sitting at but um, kind of like a little bit further down on the table but he was at the same table and so he was just cracking up and he was hilarious he was so funny and I really enjoyed you know just hanging out with him and um, we just had a blast it was amazing and so Juan Carlos I'm so glad that you joined me today. No thank you for having me I really appreciate being here this is a unique opportunity and I really relish in it. Yeah I'm so glad. (laughs) So Juan Carlos if you would uh, just let the saints know tell us a little about your background you know what's your story where you come from you know um, i know you have a faith background which is really interesting a lot of the saints you know are church bound so you know just talk a little bit about who you are where you come from you know who are you right right so uh my parents are actually from the dominican republic uh they were born and raised there uh they moved here when uh they were teenagers uh my parents actually had me when they were really really young my mother i think was like uh 17 or 18 when she had me my dad was in his 20s so you know we came from that i come from a really deep uh, religious background uh my mom and my grandmother are really really involved in their church they're actually a uh, big evangelist like uh, my mother has uh moved up through the ranks she's uh, she's an usher at the church you know she runs her own online radio station you know for christianity trying to you know put out the word into the air so i think that that has been a huge part of my upbringing because it helped shape who I am as a person and how I view the world. Talk about this Dominican background. Like, yeah. I'm so just kind of like, you know, you have um, all these beautiful, you know, melanated people, yeah. you know, in this comedy uh, production company, you know, of all shades. And you, know, you even have people who look Dominican but aren't Dominican. <laughs> right. You know, we got biracial folk. You know, we've got, you know, super woke black folk. And then, you know, then there's Juan Carlos, who's Dominican. Right. Um, and actually really is Dominican. <laughs> Doesn't look Dominican, but it's 
is Dominican? Right. No. So first and foremost, you mm-hmm. know, we do it for the culture. Like that Afrik, you gotta know that we do it for the culture. But it's a little different for me because while I don't necessarily think it's a huge difference, like I say this in one of my jokes, I say, you know, Spanish people, are, you know, are just black people who got here on a layover. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> it took us a little bit, but we got here. Right? We got to the U.S. But. I think it's a little different because my parents grew up, you know, on an island. They, you know, they, so they, being Dominican, we have, uh, well, ethnically, we, you know, we all originate from the same continent. We all come from Africa. But culturally, you know, we're a little bit different. You know, we were entrenched in a Latino culture, which has been a difficult experience coming up, especially uh, breaking into the comedy scene or, or with art. Because a lot of times what you see on TV is Latinos who don't look like me. You know what I mean? When people hear the term Latino... The image of people who look like me is not the first thing that comes to mind. You know, I'm dark skinned with curly hair. That's not what you think. You're thinking of like Ricky Martin, Antonio Banderas, you know, or or if I'm lucky, like growing up, like the only Latino comedians that I knew were like George Lopez, you know, uh, Gabriel Iglesias, Carlos Mencia. These were the Latino comics that I grew up following. And sometimes, uh, you know, yes, we're all Latino, but uh, there's there's a bit of an overlap because uh, their cultural experiences, while similar, are not necessarily the same as mine. And the same thing goes, you know, like I'm Dominican, you know what I mean? And uh, growing up in the United States, especially, I grew up in the Bronx. I, uh, I lived in Yonkers. And the black experience, you know, while there are a lot of things I can relate to, doesn't necessarily, you know, explain my entire experience. So I feel like as a result, I have a unique perspective because I never found where I fit in growing up, you know. Like, uh, it was something that I struggled with was uh, my personal identity. And one of the things that I'm very grateful for for Comedy-ish is because I feel like now I found a home. I found a place where I feel welcomed, you know what I mean? Like, there are a lot of things in their, you know, in their upbringing that aren't similar to my upbringing. But despite that, I, d- I never feel ostracized or I never feel as if I'm not welcomed. I do feel like I'm part of the crew. And that that has been uh, very great. I joke, like, I joke about being Dominican because, like, some there are a lot of oddities. If you ever catch one of my set, like... I'll point out how we like we speak Spanish, right? But the Spanish that we speak isn't necessarily representative of uh, what you would expect from a traditional Spanish uh, speaking country. And I think this is important because uh, I feel like a lot of uh, a lot of my sets when I when I perform, I try to leave you with an idea. I try to teach you about different uh, th- different things throughout my jokes. This is important because ever since like I joke about how like uh, there are Americanized words or English words, you know, in Dominican style of Spanish, which were brought over and we just use them as casual words. But that's important because what a lot of people don't realize is that that's actually the result of the Dominican Republic being colonized by the United States of America. And all these, you know, all these other things. So there's a lot of it's a rich history. It's a different perspective. You know, it's the same perspective, but it's also a very different perspective, which uh, gives me a different point of view. So I want to ask you something. Sure. Um, What is the plight, like the experience of Mm -hmm. uh, Latino comedians? Mm -hmm. Right. Because you named a lot of Latino comedians, but I don't know if people ever think about Latino comedians. So when I think about SNL, Mm -hmm. right, you don't really have a whole lot of Latinos or representation, <laughs> right. you know, in, in sketch comedy um, or even really in stand-up. You have, like you said, you mentioned George Lopez, who's probably like one of um, the biggest in terms of like today, right? right? So I know George Lopez because of the George Lopez show. Right. But I've never really seen like his, um, his stand-up or any of that. So um, could you kind of talk about um, representation and what that means to you um, and being a Dominican, mm-hmm. being Latino and putting on for your community uh, can you try to uh, speak to that experience and what that's like? Absolutely. I feel, for example, uh, growing up, like when you watch George Lopez, 
he'll make a lot of jokes about, uh, oh, excuse me, uh, Carlos Mencia is actually more famous for this. He has this one mm. joke where he talks about hopping the border and he's like, oh, you know what I mean? So what happens if you hop the border? You just get sent back, right? It's this whole bit. And it's funny because it's supposed to be representative of Latinos, but my parents didn't hop the border, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of water between here and the Dominican Republic. So that's the, so yes, while it is a truly Latino experience, it doesn't capture my Latino experience, you know? Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of Latinos, you know, growing up, you know, that are getting mass representation are of Mexican descent. So you think you see things such as like uh, soccer culture, which isn't necessarily true to my experience. Um, you see, you know, like uh, there's also like the, the melamine bit, like, for example, you know, like J-Lo, she gets she has a different experience. You know, it's you know similar, but it, it's different from my experience. And I think that that's also very important. I grew up. uh I was personally influenced by a lot of Latin, uh, Dominican comics growing up, which has helped me. For example, uh, growing up, one of my favorite comedians was a guy named uh, Raymond, po- uh, Raymond po- uh, Pozo, P-O-Z-O, um, a Dominican comic who's known for speaking very very quickly in Spanish, using a lot of non-secutors, and that's how he makes his comedy. And if you ever catch my set, you'll you'll notice that like I speak very rapidly as I'm filling that in, and I realize that that's just the influence of like you know that was the comedy I grew up watching, which is a completely different experience. Like uh, we have a voice, and it's important that you know Latinos out there know that there are people who look like them who are represented by the media that we're not just shunned, um, because it's very easy to group us. Like yes, we're black people too, you know what I mean? But we're black people who have. Uh, who have different experience and see things like uh, from a different standpoint because we grow up speaking Spanish and I've always been a big believer that uh, words are powerful and that the words that you use influence how you perceive the world and when you grow up speaking a completely different language the way you view the world uh would be slightly different than someone who just grew up in this country speaking English. It's a completely different experience, and I think that we need to acknowledge these uh, differences, and we need to celebrate them, and it's important that people of color look like, you know, like all of us, and that we, we as people of color are not don't settle for just, you know, one person of color who represents one demographic. We need to celebrate all our diversity, you know what I mean? Accept that unify and come together as one group, but also celebrate all our diversity and push forward so every single shade of melanin and every single background, you know, every person of color is represented so everyone can see like uh, that there's a path and that there's a way for everyone mm, that's good and so um in 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 this i hear you also kind of sharing diversity within people of color but also uh, diversity within the latin experience yeah and so do you ever think that there is latin privilege so to speak within the <laughs> latin community like okay so if you're mexican it's like this or if you're dominican it's like that or if you're from spain it's like that or um if you're Puerto Rican, then it's like this. Do you ever uh, feel that there's um, like privileges amongst different lat- Latino groups? Because I know, um, at least being black, right, mm-hmm. and then you know being black, who also has a West uh, West Indian descent, mm-hmm. right, and then there's like being black and then having an African descent, and sometimes there are some multi layers yes. to this culture. Um, even though we're all black, but we all have these different sets of experiences, and so does it pain you? when people just kind of like group Latins all together <laughs> and just kind of like like you know broad stroke and blanket y'all together like oh they're Latin <laughs> you know absolutely like uh, first off I do think there is a bit of privilege like I'll give you a perfect example mm-hmm. I feel that Growing up, I feel that a lot of people uh, focus on Spanish-speaking uh, television networks, and they're like, oh, that's just, you know, Latino cultures, and they market to them. But really, a lot of these people, like when I watch the news, are all of Mexican descent. 
nothing against Mexicans, but I personally don't look Mexican. I don't speak in that accent. You know what I mean? And the way I speak Spanish is very different. Is it any less Spanish? No. But as a result, you know, you will sometimes hear people like, oh, you're Dominican. You don't speak real Spanish or you don't speak Spanish properly. And uh, which I find a little offensive because what you're really saying is that the dialect that developed on my home island is somehow invalidated because it doesn't fit with what, you know, your culture expects to be Spanish. Like, I love a taco as much as everyone, but I didn't grow up eating tacos. I grew up eating rice, beans, you know, arroz con pollo, as we say. It's, it's like a completely different story. So in that sense, yes, there is also when I watch uh, TV and I watch the telenovelas, Latinos who look like me usually only play the roles of slaves. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's not cool because it kind of gives us like subconscious, it builds you up into the subconscious like ideal as if, you know, people of color because we're dark skinned, we're inferior. And that's not true at all. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think there have been uh, attempts to like unify them, uh, unify us and, you know, make us, make us more prominent, you know, um, there's like uh, this term, I'm sure you've heard it called, you know, Afro Latino, which has been using, uh, has been used to uh, describe us more frequently like you know the dark skinned latinos and i've personally like i really love the idea behind it like i love the idea that you know unifying we're standing out don't personally like the word the reason why not because uh there's anything wrong with it like yes we are african descent and i think this is important to acknowledge but i also feel like you know it almost makes it sound like we're a subset of latinos and we're not you know i'm not any less latino than you know antonio banderas i'm not any less latino than carlos mencia you know i am a latino and i'm proud of being a latino you know and I think that we need to be careful with uh, these characters. Even when people say subtle things such as, oh, he doesn't look Latino or, you know, she doesn't she doesn't look Latino. Like, what are you really saying? Latinos mm. come in all shapes, colors and sizes. You know, we're not just one homogenous group. And, I, and again, it comes back to it. we need to celebrate these differences. And I think that is a privilege that people, you know, lighter skinned Latinos get to just be Latino. They don't have like any extra like identities thrown on them and they find it easier to fit in. So I think it's so interesting because um, I never really consider how colorism plays into other um, groups, mm-hmm. like racial groups outside of um, right. the African-American slash uh, uh, Caribbean and African communities. Mm-hmm. But what I hear you saying is that there's even colorism within the Latino community. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Terrible. Oh, my goodness. Like, that <laughs> blows my mind. And so I, I wonder... You know, sometimes what is um, the social responsibility that we have for uplifting some of these right. problems within our communities, within our society? Um, I was talking to a, an Indian young lady, and she was saying that there's colorism even in the Indian. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, in India, like they they have like okay, if you're darker skin, you're like this. If you're lighter skin, then okay, then mm-hmm. you you're, you're you know you're good. Um, even like in some Asian cultures, um, you know whether it be like Cambodian or like Thai, who are a little bit more brown. Mm-hmm. Um, as they're closer to the equator, um, they have like these skin lightening things mm-hmm. um, to kind of make themselves look more attractive. Right. And so I just I never really thought about um, colorism within the Latino community. So I really appreciate you kind of raising that awareness. Um, I want to now go to and asking you, sure. um, since we're kind of in, in that same vein, what is the social responsibility and the social awareness in comedy? Like, what responsibility do you feel that you have as a comic mm-hmm. to uplift and raise up some of these uh, problematic things in our community? You know, if you make it funny, you know, because you know mm-hmm. you're a comedian. But how do you use comedy as a platform to address these things? Absolutely. Um, 
like I said stated earlier, I'm very big on trying to make sure that everyone who watches my set walking away having learned something. I try to give you my point of views, whether I'm right or wrong is irrelevant because I've been wrong many times. That's you know what I mean. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not the first person to be wrong, but sometimes I do think I you know I give it uh, a lot of thought. They're well thought out, and I use my critical thinking skills. You are unique. You have a unique opportunity because people are coming in, and all they're doing is listening. Yes, with the expectation of laughing, but they are listening to you. And you know, maybe one drop of knowledge that you, you know, maybe one nugget that you dropped uh, plants a seed for someone else and forces them to do research and you know and look into things. And maybe it sparks a whole new interest. And who knows? You never know who's watching you. You know, maybe it's that person who just needed that last push. You know, to look into activism or to make a difference into their community. So because we interact with so many people, I do think that we have a big responsibility. But you have to be thoughtful and do your research um i make a good point of it like i have this one joke where i talk about uh where i talk about a friend uh visiting like visiting us in florida and asking me if a vending machine in florida takes new york money now i'm not going to go into the whole bit but the point that i want you to walk away with this from uh, from this with is that the cost of living in new york has become so ridiculous you know what I mean? That money is is the equivalent of monopoly money here in New York. You know what I mean? You can't afford the same things in New York that you can in a state like Florida or in the Midwest. You know what I mean? So, and that's a, that's a social issue that bothers me. So I made it a point to bring it on stage with me, and you know, and I talk about it. I used to talk about um, our healthcare system a lot. Like I used to have this joke about how. Breaking Bad is really, you know, like is a ridiculous show because what are what are we really celebrating here? You know, it was such a great show, but what are they talking about? They're talking about a guy who's so who who's so disadvantaged that he can't afford to live. Do you know how intense that is? Like this guy can't afford to live. Yeah. So he has to like resort to the most obscene and like intense form of making money so that he can live like the right to live yeah that's like i don't that bothers me and i like and i joked about it and i was like you know if this show had happened in canada it wouldn't have lasted five seasons it would have lasted all of 15 minutes because they have a system in place to right. take care of their people and that that's like that's ridiculous to me that's like i don't like i can't even comprehend it so yeah i do think that it's important um that we do speak up and i think a lot of comics have been doing it and i think a lot of people like don't realize that comedy like writing a joke like writing a well a good joke is very difficult to do like it takes a certain level of iq and i'm not you know I'm, this is not a criticizing on anyone else but i'm saying comedians generally are very intelligent you have to be quick to be able to understand the timing and you know and the structure of writing a joke so as a result when a comedian writes a very good joke uh referring to uh social issues they tend to open a lot of eyes because uh the humor tends to lower a person's defenses while allowing them to process the information and see it from someone else's point of view and sometimes you walk away with people who agree with your point of view and like walk out with a whole new perspective that might not have been there when the show started yeah that that's powerful like as you were speaking i thought about um i recently went to see um seth meyers mm -hmm. and he was saying how um when he was writing for the golden globes right. which i talked about um on a previous podcast he was saying how he brought other women writers into the room mm -hmm. because he would knew that it was something that needed to be talked about but he wasn't really sure how to mm -hmm. go about it but he wanted to be very sensitive in how mm -hmm. uh, this conversation got had and so what I also want to ask you is, what is a social issue that you know is important, but that you haven't yet taken the risk to, to tackle? And so, um, if there is one, uh, what would be that thing? And then the second thing I want to ask you, what has been your favorite or um, a, a joke about a social issue that you feel the most proud of? So, for me personally, I think uh, 
I'm a huge supporter of uh, women's rights. You know, I personally believe that we should uh, break the gender wage gap and other issues that plague women. However, I do feel that while it is something that I would like to bring light to, it is not necessarily my place because I can't give it, you know, the fullest, not the fullest attention. I can't give it the, uh, coming from my perspective, I don't think it's as powerful as coming from some, you know, from a woman who stands up, you know, and fights for what's right. Um, And also, like, I can hear about the issues and you can sit here and tell me about it. But until I've walked in your shoes, I will never truly understand, you know, the issues that you are facing. So me speaking on it is not as powerful as someone who lives that on a day to day basis. So I've always encouraged women. And one of the things that, you know, I do try to do is, yes, we do it for the culture and, you know, we do it for, uh, you know, and we do it for uh, for black people in general. But we also try to give a platform to women, you know what I mean? Whether it's a woman of color or, you know, or, or not women of color, we want to give them a platform because we also think it's important for a woman's voice. There's the stereotype in comedy that women aren't funny, which just isn't true. I can't tell you how many amazing female comedians I come across on a regular basis. And they don't, you know, you don't get to see them as often, which I think as, you know, a casual uh, fan of comedy, you're being robbed of a unique perspective, a beautiful perspective, because some of these women are just powerful queens who are out there just slaying night in and night out and just making people laugh Mm, wow I really appreciate you saying that so do you have um, well one thing I will say before I transition Mm -hmm. um, to asking like what has been your favorite Mm -hmm. um I, I would even encourage you, um, as I would encourage a male preacher, right? Yeah. I would say, even though you may not think that you have something of value to contribute, right. I think you do. It just that just something that takes courage and mm-hmm. being comfortable in. And when you get to that space where you can do that, right. I say, go for it, Juan Carlos, and invite me to that because <laughs> <laughs> I want to be right there. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, yes, you better say that. <laughs> um, and I literally, I would be right there. Right. Um, so what has been your favorite? Ooh, um, let's see. The My favorite joke that I do talk about is, uh, I like to talk about uh, the concept of privilege. It's something that, you know, mm. It, it comes in a lot in, into play, and uh, I think that one of the jokes that I I wrote, I actually uh, isn't. <laughs> it's one. Jo- it's the one joke I won't say on your podcast because it's like uh, I'm a very clean comic for for, uh, for the most part. Like ninety nine percent of what comes out of my mouth, I can say at any corporate event, and no one will be generally offended. Um, but there's this one joke where where I tell, and uh, the subject is misguided. But what I'm really talking about is like the levels that white privilege has permeated through our society, um, you know, and, and some of the depths that that it has reached. And I like I use a very shocking example. Oh, you can say anything you want on this podcast. Listen, <laughs> white privilege. We talk. Hmm, hmm. Yeah, I have a job to keep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like to be employed. No, I'm just messing with you. I still like taking their checks. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm just messing with you. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, I joke about it. And yeah. It, but but it, but it is, it, and it's becoming. And sometimes people don't realize, and it's like in the little subtle things, um, and the and the way it comes. There's also another joke that uh, it is not necessarily about society, but it's, I like it because it's one of the first jokes I ever wrote, and, oh, it's, yeah. and it's, I think it's a very cute joke. You know what I mean? And it's a metaphor for life. I talk about how I'm a very difficult person to date. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm a very difficult person to date because I have some of the weirdest turnoffs. For right. Exactly. Like, for example, for example, I personally can never date a woman who, if we went out for pizza, doesn't eat the crust. Oh, I eat crust. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she eats crust, guys. All right. <laughs> 
I mean, not not to imply anything. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, 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 I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm actually relieved she eats crust. It makes you a good woman. You understand why? <laughs> because I feel that anyone who doesn't eat the crust is the type of person who'll be there for all the good, easy parts of life. But as soon as things get hard, they bail. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's just a cute little joke, but it's a metaphor for life, which is what I'm really trying to say is... You better preach pizza. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, domino sales just went up. They're about to sponsor me after that joke. <laughs> no, um, but what I'm really trying to say is that, you know, there are people who will come into your lives and, you know, they'll be there for all the good parts. But when things get tough, where are they? You know, they disappear. It's not really about pizza, but I'm trying to tell you that these people exist and you have to watch out for them. You know what I mean? And it's just a cute way of trying to tell you, like, watch your back, you know, be cognizant of who you roam with, you know, who's around you, because you never know who's a sheep and who's a wolf. <laughs> that is, that's fact. <laughs> and, you know, just just as a note, you know, yeah. I, the crust is my favorite part. Oh, good. You know, and, <laughs> and the reason why is because... I, I, I believe, you know, leave no stone unturned. Leave not, leave yeah. no remnants of of anything behind. It's like, if you're going to enjoy it, you got to enjoy it all. Mm-hmm. And I love how you say pizza is a metaphor for life because really, like, if you're going to eat it, mm-hmm. eat the pizza. Right. You know, if you didn't want that, then you need to get crustless or something <laughs> like that. And that's not realistic. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, you just, basically, you wanted a flatbread. <laughs> you didn't want pizza. Um, yeah, the, the crust is my favorite part. And, you know, I, you know, I'm committed to pizza. See? But you get it. I'm from Connecticut. We're committed to pizza. Um, so, yeah. So, Juan Carlos, yeah. you know, you said you got a job to keep. Yeah, I do. You know, you got a job. A J-O and a B. A career. <laughs> a paycheck that comes. Right. You know, your ego lands. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You take that thing to the bank. Literally. So, um, what is it like for you being bivocational, right? You do comedy, but then you also have this nine to five, you know? So what is the balance between living your dream and pursuing your passions and also holding down um, your professional career? Like, talk about that. Okay, so I'm actually, this is one case where I'm actually extremely privileged. And I fully acknowledge that. I worked really hard. uh, You know, I went to a good undergraduate university. And I went off and I I got an MBA. You know, I I have a master's degree. And I was able to position myself in something that I found interesting. And I... I get to work in technology. I, uh, I'm a business analyst at an investment bank, which is a whole unique opportunity because a lot of people don't get to do that. Not everyone gets to that position. And it's something I worked harder. And not only do I, did I work hard to get there, but I love my job. Like You love your job? I love I my love job. I love my job. <laughs> right? And it's very rare that I meet someone who loves their job. <laughs> no, I do. Yeah, I love, my, I love what I do. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, I, I love it because, uh, just to give you a little background, because a lot of people don't know what a business analyst does. I sit there and it's my job to understand how the bank makes money, like how our investment bankers make money. And then based on the information they give me, I take that information and create a strategy to solve uh, problems that they're having. And I devise solutions. And once I get that, I uh, give it to our software developers and they build out applications for our bankers to use. Then I test the applications to make sure that they work properly and teach our bankers how to use it. Very interesting work for me. It's something I love. So I get to do that during the day. And then I leave work. And then I get to do something else that I love and get to tell jokes, you know, and do comedy and bring joy uh, to life. So it's it's very unique. But it also and it, it's also formulated the type of comedian I am because I have a compliance department. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm an HR department. I can't just go out and recklessly say things. So I have yeah. to. Be, so, you know, because you have to be mindful, like not on. Yes, I'm a comedian and I'm my own entity and I represent myself, but I also re- represent the institution that I work for. Absolutely. Which is something very important to keep in mind. So. When I write jokes, it has forced me to be extra creative because, you know, 
I have this like well-defined parameter which in which I have to stay in to be able to say everything that I want to say. So it's and it doesn't it hasn't stopped me. It's not like you know I won't say things that I want to say. It's just more sometimes I'll write a joke and be like, okay, cool. Now how can I you know still have the same punch, same impact, still get a laugh, but do it in a different way, hit it from a different angle. Let's see how we can rework this. And it has staged my sta- it has you know crafted my stage persona in a way that I didn't think was possible. I think it's made me stronger for it. Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that because I get it. You know, I I understand (laughs) as someone who leads life professionally in ministry, I am very mindful and cognizant of how I'm always showing up to spaces. Right. Um, From the podcast to um, community events, how I show up when taking, you know, interviews and being in the news, like handling the media, um, even my social media. I have to be very cognizant. Mm-hmm. And aware of the things that I say and what I do because I don't just represent Portia. Right. I represent the church that I work at. Mm-hmm. You know, I represent Jesus Christ. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I represent God and, and, and I represent the faith community. And mm-hmm. so if someone sees me, uh, you know, doing something, I, my, I pray that my actions aren't leading people astray mm-hmm. or questioning uh, what I believe or what I do. So I've, I've been very mindful to always who I am mm-hmm. and how I show up is going to be consistent in every space. Right. Um, the things that I am grateful that I'm privileged to be able to say and speak on is, you know, because I'm in a very progressive, of, um, you know, church, mm-hmm. right? In terms of just the Baptist being a bit, uh, well, this branch of Baptist, there's <laughs> some conservative Baptist, let's be clear. Yeah. Um, being American Baptist, um, you know, I have some leeways on some certain things. Right. Because um, Baptists are autonomous. You mm-hmm. know, we can kind of get away with certain things a little bit because we don't have a bishop to answer mm-hmm. to. But I, I am grateful that I can meet people who share that experience from, um, you know, whether we're in different fields. Right. But I'm grateful that you you understand where that comes from and where I'm coming from when I say that. So that means a lot to me. So I thank you um, just for sharing that. And so... Um, you are just a phenomenal comedian. <laughs> oh, like thank you. I really, I enjoyed you. Uh-huh. I enjoyed watching you perform what comedy is. And so, um, all of this conversation is really about illuminating comics, illuminating what you all are doing in the community, illuminating right. what y'all are doing on stage, doing it for the culture. And so, I want to hear from you, Juan Carlos. Talk to me about comedy. Is you are a co-founder? <laughs> yes. You know, you're not just this member. You are a member. <laughs> you know, but you're also a co-founder, and you were there you know in the beginning and yeah. you have helped to facilitate a lot of what has happened and so um for those of you who don't know so um ishmael had an idea and he got together with juan carlos and together they started comedy ish and then um drex came along and, or and something like that yeah. okay i might be jacking I'll tell the story, the story. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah I, you tell the story i'll tell you the long version story because i actually think yeah. it's interesting yeah please tell the history of of, of comedy the background so, so here's how it happened for my process first and foremost ish started comedy ish and had the idea and he had the name and everything you know it was all set up right so here's the true story at the time um I was a new comedian, and this is, by the way, very important because I think that uh, God works in a mysterious way, mm-hmm. and this is one of those shining examples because I was a I was a struggling comedian. You know, I was brand new. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I was just, I was going to open mics. I had no you know no direction. I had no. I was just doing all these things, and I remember that to this day I was at Yonkers Comedy Club, and one of the uh, one of the uh, comics. He's also a bartender and a manager there. I asked him, you know, mostly facetiously, kind of half joking. I was like, hey. So how do I take the next level? How do I blow up? And he said, 
find yourself a local producer, someone who believes in you. And, you know, and work that angle and see where that takes you. Because generally, those are the guys who can help your career and they'll help you take off. So I saw an opportunity that someone posted. I didn't know who it was. It was like, oh, local all-stars here in Yonkers, New York. So I I, I hit up the person and it just so happened to be Ishmael. Really? Yeah. So it was Ishmael's show. Here's the kicker. Um, The other thing is uh, I went to the show. At the time, you know, I had a girlfriend. No, she went. I went with a few of my fraternity brothers. Oh, you're in a fraternity? Oh, yeah. I'm in a fraternity, yeah. Oh, which one? Look I'm in me. Delta Upsilon. Look at me being nosy. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm Greek, so, you know, I get excited when I meet other Greeks. Yeah. So, keep going. It's always <laughs> weird, too, when I tell people that, because, like, they're like, yes, and then they have all these cool stuff, and I'm like, yeah, no, my fraternity, we don't, I don't know any of that stuff. We didn't, no, we didn't it's stuff. cool. No, but, yeah, so I went with a few of my fraternity brothers. And I went on the show, I went on this competition, and I bombed. <laughs> like, it was one of those really awkward bombs where even the people who I brought were kind of like, oh, do we have to tell people we came in with him? <laughs> like, it was really bad. It was so bad that Ishmael won't admit this to this day, but it's, I swear to God, it's true. He had told us before <laughs> going on stage, he goes, if you're bombing, I'm going to light you early, Right. And I'm pretty sure Ishmael lit me at around four or five minutes. There was no way I did a full seven to eight minutes. But today he was like, no, you, you, you did the whole thing. I'm like, mm, I don't know about that, Ishmael. But I got off stage. And I remember I was humble about it. Like, it wasn't like, you know, I didn't, I didn't take it personal. And I went up to him and I was like, look, I'm just looking to get better. You know, if there's anything that I can do to get better, you let me know. Whatever needs to happen, I will do. Because I, this is something I'm interested in and I just want to grow. Right. Flash forward like maybe a week or two later, Ishmael uh, messages me and he goes, hey, look, I have this show in Harlem. I'm just starting it out. It's at this place called The Shrine. Um, You know, come through. And if like you're willing to hand out flyers, you know, I'll throw you a few minutes up on stage. In my head, I'm like, you know what? I want to perform. I'm trying to get better. You know, whatever. If I have to hand out flyers, you know, that's that's not beneath me. That's not at all. I'll do whatever it takes. I go in there, show up, and Ishmael, like, you know, he's being nice or whatever. He didn't have any flyers. I'm like, dude, where are the flyers? Where are you supposed to hand out? He's like, I don't know. Worry about it. So, but he gave me, he was true to his word. You know, he gave me the time anywhere. Get up on stage. And I'm not saying that I, like, I crushed it or anything like that because I was a brand new comic. But I definitely did way better at the Shrine than he saw in Yonkers. And I, I think at that point he goes, huh, I think, you know, maybe there's some potential here. So he, um, he, he met, you know, he messages me like a few days later and he goes, listen, bro, do you want to join my comedy team? And I'm like, oh, cool. I'm going to join this comedy team. So in my head, I'm joining this like huge team of like 40, 50 people. Like, I'm like, oh, this guy's big. You know, he, he has this whole team behind them. But the one thing I asked him, I remember this to this day clearly. I texted him. I was like, listen, I'm interested in joining your comedy team, but how much time is this going to take? Because I do have a <laughs> full time job. And he's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. It's not going to take any time at all. All right, you're good. And as they say, you know, the rest was history between me and him because I came in, you know what I mean? We started uh, promoting all these shows together. And at first, it was just Ishmael and I. You know, we were just running around, like, doing everything, like, uh, coming in, you know, running around with our heads, uh, like, our heads are cut off or whatever the expression is. We're working. We're doing everything. And then I think it was a blessing, to be honest to you, because I think this was this was in, like, uh, I met Ishmael in, like, what must have been October or November. You know, and we worked together through, like, December together. It was just he and I. Of what year? 
of 2017. Oh, so y'all are real new. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I don't think I realized just how new all of this is. Yeah, no, this is wow. This is 2017. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so we're doing this, right? That's crazy. So you said October of 2017. I actually got here in October of 2017. Really? <laughs> so you understand how recent it is. Yeah. yeah like, the, y'all are just as new as my job. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. No, no, yeah. no. So then, like, I think it was a blessing because I want to say it must have been, like, January, maybe February. Of this year. Of 2018. Mm-hmm. We're, uh... So first off, first and foremost, uh... Ishmael didn't realize this. He didn't know this. But, you know, during the time, like, I had also gone through a bad breakup. This is what I'm saying. God puts people in your life when you need them. And Ishmael provided me comedy. And that's all I needed. You know what mm. I mean? You know what I mean? I went through this. I was It was a two-year relationship. We had just broken up. Mm-hmm. And Ishmael was there providing me opportunities to, like, express myself on stage, which for me was cathartic and was very important. Mm. And I think it allowed me to clear a lot of stuff for me because in January, I met my current girlfriend, who is the most amazing woman I've ever had the pleasure of being with, you know? And that was all possible because I was able to work through things out on stage. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's mm-hmm. important. But fast forward a few weeks later, and I remember it was Valentine's Day. And I remember because I wrote a joke about this. I was like, you know, I remember for Valentine's Day, I, she wasn't my girlfriend at the time. We, you know, we had only been dating for a few weeks. Uh, for Valentine's Day, I got her tickets to come watch me perform. <laughs> you know what I mean? Clearly, you know, a classic. Totally, totally not narcissist. Yeah, not at all. Come see me. <laughs> but that was the day that I met Jamal. Ah. Yeah. That was Valentine's Day? That was Valentine's Day 2018. Guess where I was? Where? Remember when I was... Oh, so, so before the show, yeah. you know, I was telling um, Juan Carlos about, um, cause about a Michael B. Jordan situation. Oh. So I was in Memphis, Tennessee, right. and that was the same week Black Panther was coming out. So the kids had the, the thing, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, dreams were just coming true. They <laughs> <laughs> Things were just meant to be. Yeah. So, yeah, and I made the decision to be... So I just think that as you're naming these dates, yeah. I'm th- every date that you're naming, I'm thinking about some as this was happening for y'all. Yeah. Something very important was happening <laughs> in my life. So, anyway, this is about you. No, right, <laughs> right, no. But that's where uh, that's where I met Jamal, and um, uh. I remember, you know, Ish must have had some sort of a relationship with Jamal to the extent of the relationship. I'm not sure because Ishmael was the one who brought him on, and you know, and booked him for that show. And now Drex is a little harder to pin down because it's one of those things. Like I know I met Drex at a Melon and Monday show. But from the jump, he just fit in so seamlessly that it was almost like there's not that sharp, like, boom, that's when I met him. It was just more like, oh, yeah, Drex has always been here, you know what I mean? But um, Jamal and uh, Drex, and I think, like, officially, officially must have joined us in, like, March or April. You know what I mean? When Ishmael and I had already been, you know, working together for six months, and it was a blessing having them. And I tell you, because when it was just Ishmael and I, we were just running around, you know, all the time doing things. As soon as they joined along, it like, there was a sense of stability, you know what I mean? Mm. You know, it was, it was just because not only, not only are they funny people, but we like, we jive very well together. You know, we all work very well together. We don't really bump heads, you know what I mean? It's very seamless. You would think that we've been working together for years. I, mean, I, I would have never known. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that is incredible to me. Like your relationship and witnessing y'all's relationship. Yeah. Um, even from the way that y'all talk about each other, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily in the recording moment, right. but just how you all have this relationship. I would have thought that y'all would have been friends. <laughs> five six years no. you know and not just like this is not even a full year old yeah. like i would have thought that you that that just speaks to the level of 
passion. Mm-hmm. It speaks to the level of authenticity. It speaks to the level of how you all are willing to show up for one another. Mm-hmm. And so, can you talk to us about that, about mm-hmm. y'all's relationship and the seamlessness of it and the brotherhood between y'all? I just think it's just something to be admired. So, just share something about that with us. Sure, absolutely. Uh, first and foremost, uh, those three, uh, they're my brothers in comedy, you know? Like, we're always together. Uh, you know, we're always on shows together. We're always uh, supporting each other, whether it's uh, sharing each other's uh, material or, like, you know, um, I can't tell you how many nights I've hit up Jamal. I'm like, yo, Jamal, I have this joke. It's, like, 75% done, but I can't quite, you know, get it. And he'll look at my joke, and he'll, like, help me, like, you know, grind it out and be like, and give it the finally touches. Or, like, I'll tell a joke on stage, and Jackson will pull me aside and be like, yo, you might want to tell it this way or change this or you're doing this. Like, just the other day, I was at a show and the mic was, like, reverberating because of the, like, steel, uh, the steel in the ceiling. And Drex pulled me aside before I go on stage. He goes, hey, I know that, you know, you're very, you know, the way you hold the mic, I know how you speak. Hold the mic o- a microphone farther away from your mouth so they can hear you clearly. You know what I'm saying? These are little things that, like, we pick each other up and, like, we tease Ishmael. Um, I don't know if they told you guys, but we call Ishmael Batman, <laughs> which he doesn't like. <laughs> we teach him because, like, you know, he's like... Uh, Batman happens to be my favorite comic. Oh, is he? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> no, but we tease him because, uh, you know, he's like the, li- the leader of our little group. You know what I mean? Like, uh... Like, you know, we're all, it's an egalitarian society, you know, I mean, we're all equals, but, you know, at the end of the day, we look to Ishmael, you know, to, to make uh, decisions, so we, we tease him, and he, that's what he's been for us, you know what I mean? He has given me a lot of direction, especially on my comedy career. Like, I'm, I, look, I listen to myself, like, you know, even six months ago, seven months ago, and the comic I am today is way better than the comic I was when I went, you know, six months ago, better than the guy I was when I started, way better than the guy who did his, you know, my, when I did my first open mic. And this has all been the result of Ishmael, you know what I mean, and how he pushes me forward. And um, especially for me, it's always been interesting because I've always struggled with identity, you know. Like like I said, being a dark-skinned Latino, you ne- you never know quite where you fit, fit, uh, fit in because... Uh, I grew up around, uh, you know, after I moved out of the Bronx, you know, I went to high school. I went to a, you know, private high school. It was around white people. Same thing goes for college, you know what I mean? Um, you know, I grew up in a Latino family, but I never felt, you know, Latino enough because I didn't do stereotypical Latino things. Like, you know, like, I don't, you know, I, I know how to dance, but I don't, it's not necessarily my, you know, like, I don't salsa all the time. That's not, you know, who I am, you know what I mean? And, like, I feel like uh, this group has given me a sense of belonging that's been very important, you know what I mean? It's, like, it's just given me somewhere to belong, somewhere to develop as a person. And I think that's crucial, and I don't think I could have found that anywhere else. Mm, that's important. That's powerful, yeah. Y'all are just... Y'all are just doing something incredible. Y'all are just moving and shaking. And I am excited just to see where y'all go and just everything. Like, y'all bring so much joy to comedy. Like, I really enjoy, like, y'all. Like, y'all are hilarious individually. Y'all are hilarious collectively. And um, can you plug, you know, plug y'all. Like, hype y'all up. You know, this is a moment. If there's anything that you want to say, you know, the mic is yours. Anything that you want people to know about you or comedy-ish. And plug y'all in. All right. First and foremost, if you haven't done it by now, follow us at Comedy Ish Productions. Like, it's the first thing you need to do. Follow us, like us on Facebook, Comedy Ish. You know, you'll see us. We we have a we have the black logo. You'll find us. Uh, that's very important. Uh, me personally, please follow me on Instagram. It's uh, Juan Carlos Comedy. That's well, I don't have to spell it, right? <laughs> <laughs> It'll be in the description box. Perfect. Juan Carlos Comedy. I actually just created a new Twitter. 
you know, it's brand new. I only have one follower, so please <laughs> follow me on Twitter so I can have followers. Make me feel like I'm important. I'm just kidding. Um, so that's the stuff. Um, I do have a few shows that I'm really excited about. Aside from the stuff that we're doing with Comedy you know, as you know, every Sunday we're at the Shrine and all this stuff. Um, personally, uh, uh, what I feel, uh, I set a lot of uh, small goals for myself in comedy. And some of them are tr- starting to come into fruition, which is very exciting for me. Um, again, you know, I think uh, I've, I'm very blessed up by all the opportunities that God has put in my way. One of them is that I will be uh, making my debut at uh, Levity Live on August 16th. I'll be opening for uh, Marcus Banks, which I'm really excited about. You know, it's a big opportunity for me to show out and uh, do my thing. Um, another opportunity is actually the very next night. I'll be at uh, Lucy's Laugh Lounge, and I'll, uh, I'm on the same lineup as uh, Casey Aurora, who's been you know on a bunch of different things. You can find him on TV and all this stuff. Very big, uh, big opportunity for me. And also, one thing that's near and dear to my heart and is very important is that on uh, on Labor Day on that Monday, which I believe is September third. Something like that. September 3rd. Yeah, that's the Monday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the Monday. I'll be at Dangerfields. It's a Latino showcase and an all-Latino lineup. And would y'all believe I'm the only dark-skinned Latino I've seen on the lineup? (laughs) (laughs) I'm the only one who looks like me. Like I'm saying, I gotta do it for people who look like me. You know, you gotta do it for the Latinos. Yeah, man, but we do it for the culture. You know, I mean, there are a lot of dark skinned Latinos too. You know, a lot of black people. But no, I'm the only one. So I think it's also very important. If any of you guys can come out and show support, please do that. It's actually very important because this is what I'm trying to say. These are the barriers that we're fighting against, and this is what we're trying to break through on. You know. All right. Well, Juan Carlos, it has been a joy having you. I'm going to say um, it has been a joy having all of you. Oh, thank you. Um, Yeah, I truly have enjoyed having you on my show. I'm grateful that you all took time out of your schedules to join me. Um, I mean, we have been to Starbucks, to (laughs) churches, literally churches being in my office (laughs) um, and recording. And so a big thank you to Comedy-ish. I wish you all so much uh, you know, peace, blessings, happiness. Um, you know, everybody, please check them out when you have an opportunity. Check them out individually and collectively. So follow Drex, follow Ishmael, follow Jamal, and follow Juan Carlos. And also follow Comedy Ish. I'm going to keep saying it. You know, I'm not going to wear it out, but I'm just going to keep saying it. Please follow them and support them because at the end of the day, they're doing this for us. They're doing it for all of us, you know, uh, across the diaspora. And so please, please, please come on out. So thank you. Yes. Take care, Saints. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining me on another episode of Portionality Podcast. Can't wait to hear from you when you email me directly at portionality at gmail.com with your topics and with your listener questions. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at portionality. And as always, peace, light, and love, and namaste to you.